You have one unheard message. Hi, I was calling Current, the influencer marketing platform, but I think I just got redirected to a bunch of people listening to a podcast. Well, anyways, I was calling Current because I was told they could help get my brand set up on TikTok Shop and even build out an affiliate program of content creators promoting my brand and even have those content creators go on live streams and promote my product there. Wow, I could really use Current. I also heard that the brands they work with are making millions in sales. I guess I'll just go to their website at current.tech. Prescription products require completion of an online medication consultation with an independent healthcare provider through the LifeMD platform and are only available if prescribed. Subscription required. Individual results may vary. Additional restrictions apply. Read all warnings before using GLP-1s. Side effects may include a risk of thyroid C-cell tumors. Do not use GLP-1s if you or your family have a history of thyroid cancer. If you've struggled for years to lose weight and have given up hope, did you know you can now access GLP-1 prescription medications at TryLifeMD.com? We're now offering eligible patients online access to GLP-1s, the breakthrough prescription medication that can help you lose body fat and weight. Listen to what people are saying. It's fun to put on jeans that you couldn't get into six months ago. Every morning, I look forward to getting on the scale. For anybody who's struggling with their weight, it's a godsend. And here's the best part. Your insurance may cover 100% of the cost of your medication. So go to TryLifeMD.com to have your eligibility checked right now. Get started today at TryLifeMD.com. That's T-R-Y-L-I-F-E-M-D.com. Hey, this is your host, Sully. Welcome back in to Talking Out Loud. Uh, for today's episode, previewing the A-10 tournament, I sat down with our friend Brooks Hall, UD Flyer legend, UD graduate of 2003, to dissect the season, get his thoughts on what he's seen so far this year. Uh, you know, We talked the highs, talked the lows, the disappointments, uh, some of the triumphs, some of the good stuff, some of the bad stuff, everything mixed in for the next hour, just me and Brooks one-on-one talking about the Flyers and everything about the season. Before we got to the show uh, and you know, hit the intro music, Wanted to take this time uh, to simply thank our sponsors that have been with us all year. Uh, between you know Sean and Dan over at Clear Mortgage, uh, the guys at Milano's, the guys at Tim's for doing our show, ESPN Radio, Lee's Chicken, and then of course uh, my friends at Sherholtz Printing in uh, Kettering. They serve the entire Miami Valley. The boys that make printing simple and make you look good. If you have any printing needs in the Miami Valley. You go to SureHoltzPrinting.com. Additionally, last guy I want to thank is my friend George over at Mobile Used Car Inspections. You've heard me say the uh, advertisement before that if you need an automotive expert that you can trust, George at Mobile Used Car Inspections is your man. Hit him up, info at MobileInspections.com if you have any questions about pre-purchase inspections or when you're buying a used vehicle. George is your guy. Wanted to take just two minutes out of my day uh, and tell you that those people are the ones uh, that have been keeping the show running this year, uh, paying the bills over here, making sure we can put out a good show and, and get it to your ears in a, in a timely fashion. Uh, it's been a roller coaster of a year, but let's cap it all off. I got the interview at Brooks Hall coming up, talking out loud. Newest episode starts right now. Shot up at the buzzer, it's good! Oh. Brooks Hall! The place hits it at the buzzer! The Dayton Flyers! And the Dayton Flyers is all done! Sanford, crashed on the way! Oh. 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 
This is Talking Out Loud, the number one podcast in the Atlantic 10 and among Dayton Flyers basketball fans everywhere. The only podcast on the internet consistently reminding you to wear red and be loud. Welcome back to Talking Out Loud. I'm your host, Sully, as always, bringing you the best hour of Dayton Flyers content on the radio, internet, or otherwise. Tonight's special guest is your A-10 preview episode with the Flyers taking on Rhode Island this Thursday, jumping into the A-10 tournament, the house of horrors that it always is for this Dayton program. But I thought uh, it was a great time to bring back the perspective of the programs now, he just got passed up. 24th all-time leading scorer. However, Brooks Hall is joining me. I have some good news for you, Brooks. Your three-point mark of third all-time at UD is going to remain untouched for the foreseeable future. I know you were extremely concerned about it, but to bring you on the show tonight, I had to let you know Jalen passed you up on the points record, but he's not going to be able to get you at three points, brother. I'm going to put an asterisk by it. Listen, because this season didn't count anyway. It ain't fair. So we were going to put an asterisk by it. But nah, man, listen, I, being even top 25 still in a program like you did, man, it's still an honor. So I ain't mad about it. Yeah, yeah. But I, I always keep an eye on it when I bring you on, too, because I'm always curious. Um, and, and here's why. It's actually kind of difficult to find those types of numbers. Like just recently, Wikipedia put them on to say, like, here's the all-time leading scorers. Because I know, like, the top five. But then once we get outside of those, especially for, like, three-pointers made, uh, David Jablonski does a pretty good job of, of putting those in the paper every now and again. But for me, I have to like go hunting for him. Um, but you're right. In a normal season, Crutcher would probably be right there because he's 39 three-pointers short of you. So let's say that they played a normal NCAA tournament. Then maybe, you know, they had like five or six more games this year. That's 20 games. All right. You know, he might have gotten there, but. Rest assured, man, you're going to stay third all time for now. <laughs> I'll take it. Listen, listen, I'll take it. In. I know we got some other stuff to get into, but uh, I'm trying to convince Crutcher to move on to the NBA, man. Speak. My record could stay because if he comes back, uh, that man, he just catches fires. And he he's one of the only guys I think can beat that, to be honest with you, on, on this roster. Yeah, let's start there, man. You know, we uh, we last caught up before the season started, and uh, you know, I treated that episode more as um, as a little bit of of your autobiography than anything. You know, I think yeah, it's, yeah. it was better to tell the story of, about the playing days. But um, you know, putting that aside, you've done plenty of the radio calls, you've been on flyer feedback this year. You've gotten a really good taste and flavor of the team. Uh, we talked about before we started recording that Brooks and, and Larry don't necessarily have the advantage of going to travel with the team that they normally do. Um, but you know, let's start with the positive, man. There's plenty of stuff we can complain about in the next hour. But lead off the program, uh, you know, Jalen Crutcher, obviously the most important player on the team. But what good can you take away from this season? You know, I know a lot of people have asked me, you know, is, is the future bright? And I say, yeah, the future's bright. I think we have a lot of things to look forward to. When you look back now on the season in hindsight, were there things that impressed you about some of the younger guys or, or what's off the page where you can look back and say, hey, those were some positives to take away from this season? No, that's a great question, man. And you're right. There are a ton of things that, that we can talk about that, that um, didn't go so well. We'll get into that later. But a couple of positives. I complain all the time. Yeah, I complain all the time. <laughs> I had no idea. I don't see it. But, uh, <laughs> but, but no, man. So so let me start team-wise. And we'll, I'll talk kind of individual positives. Team-wise, let's just call it what it is. And, and people 
get annoyed about it being an excuse or whatever. I call it more of a, an, a reason than an excuse. But for this team to still, I don't know. So what, 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 how many total wins are we at right now? Right now we're at 13 and eight, nine and seven in the conference. All right. So 13 and eight, you know, above 500. And you look at the roster, like, yes, we got Crutcher, we got Ibby. But after that, the losses, I mean, Rodney missed a ton of time, and and, and we can go on and on. Everybody knows Never the story. Never had Dwayne, Chase Johnson it, left. Chase, yeah, right. yeah. yeah, we can go on and on. And and to throw guys in who came into the season, had we had a normal roster, Chase and all those guys the whole season, a lot of guys would have been strictly role players, three to five minutes a game, just le- who got thrown into the fire, who had to play significant minutes, and we had expectations on them to produce. Then you throw Lane Amzil, who the kid had what three practices before he played his first collegiate game. So anyway, all these (laughs) came in balling. (laughs) But but my point is all these crazy things throughout the season and the schedule changes and the unpredictability of who's playing next and to to come out with a 13 and eight record uh, to me is actually pretty impressive because they could have been a lot worse. (laughs) I mean, you know, we as Flyer fans, we don't like to even say that, but they could have been a lot worse given the circumstances. Um, so that's the positive from a team standpoint. Uh, and 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 actually, we have a chance to win the Atlantic 10 tournament. Do I think we'll do it? Pro- probably not. But but we've shown that we can beat everybody in this league, you yeah. know, so to even have a fighter's punch, a fighter's chance. Um, individually, we saw what Zimmy could potentially do when he went nuts in that Rhode Island game. You know, we 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 saw um, what. Oh, man, I love Blakeney. I, I, we, we see what I like Blakeney, his game, too. Yeah, man, he's kind of that. Kyle Davis, um, Trey Landers energy vibe. You kind of get that from him. Um, you know, and I can go on and on, but there are a couple things we've seen. Amzil, uh, you know, Mustafa, right? We, we, we see what he's going to be able to do in the future and all. So those are the positives. Um, the future is bright, and, and they, this, we, they salvaged this season. Yeah, we're pissed about it. It was terrible as far as expectation-wise. But, man, like I said, it could have been a lot worse. <laughs> yeah, it, you're you're right, and um, you know, if this is one of the last times that I get the audience for the season, I mean, the next time that I have a show, the season could be over, or we could be doing an episode right in the middle of the A10 tournament. You know, if if the Flyers can pull one out Thursday against Rhode Island, and we're recording Tuesday afternoon, March second, set to release immediately to your Dayton Flyers ears that are burning for it. Um, but I, I want to get this out of the way, Brooks, because um. I've talked to ad nauseum about the expectations for the season and admittedly they on my side, maybe they're a little bit too high, but I did want to give credence to the fact that um, AG did the best he could in a lot of situations this year with the roster and the circumstances he was given. And of course, for the radio audience, we're talking about started preseason. You had uh, ACL injury for Dwayne Cohill. Then you had Chase Johnson leave school at the end of the first semester in December then you had Rodney go down for multiple games. Uh, I think he missed out eight games in the middle of the season. Yep. He's, you know, member of the starting five. So just right there, those are three guys that are in the top six going into the season that you no longer have. So I am absolutely willing to sit here and say, hey, you know, things did not break our way this year. And frankly, if you look back at the 2020 season, Everything broke our way that year. So maybe it was, you know, a little bit of the the basketball gods kind of evening things out in Dayton, Ohio for, for, you know, roster issues and whatnot. However, you know, I'd be remiss if I if I sat on this program and, and say that I gave AG a pass for all of that, because the thing that'll always 
um, that always stick to me about this season, the thing that I'll always remember is that regardless of the roster situations, the roster turnovers, the injuries, losing the three games to LaSalle, Fordham and St. Joseph's. And, and I'm and I'm not going to be hyperbolic here. You know, Twitter's for hype, you know, hyperbolic statements. It's just unacceptable for our program and where the program is in 2021. I mean, is that fair to say? Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah, that that will never be okay. Um losing to LaSalle, losing to Fordham, and losing to a, a down now in, in previous years, losing to St. Joe's, that's not always a terrible thing. It has always yeah. been terrible to lose to Fordham and LaSalle, yeah. <laughs> you know, so, yeah. <laughs> so, so, so no, man, I'm, I'm with you. It's it, that that's not OK. The guys know it's not OK. The coaches know it's not OK. Uh, no one, even with all those roster issues and, and the, the weird circumstances, you just they had enough talent to win those games and should have won those games. So that just not that's, that's not an excuse. Um, and and by the way, let's just be honest. I never heard coaches make an excuse for it. You know, yeah, I, I, yeah. I, everybody jumped on them and they, they but, but coach Anthony Grant never, never made an excuse. He, he, he knows you, you cannot lose those games. I, I laughed with Bedell last night. Um, when I do feedback with him sometimes a few years in the last few years, we would say that the Atlantic 10 is full of landmines. Like you could just be minding your business, winning the games you're supposed to win. And then yep. you lose to a team and it blows everything up. Yep. You know, there's a lot of dangerous teams and they, they're, 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 they'll kill your RPI and strength of skill and all that stuff, and they can also beat you. Well, who would have thought that Dayton would be a landmine this year? We're not, yeah. <laughs> you know, that's not that's our role. We, we don't normally do that. <laughs> yeah, so. yeah. And um, you brought up a good point about accountability. I mean, that's one of the things that I'll always love about AG is that um, he doesn't pass the buck. He doesn't throw his players under the bus. About as close as he came this year was after the loss to Fordham. I know you remember this. He did the post-game interview, and, and he said a lot of guys need to understand what it means to wear Dayton across your chest. And and that's a bit of a coach-speak type of thing. Absolutely. But, you know, but I understand that that's about as close as, as AG is ever going to get to kind of verbally getting on his guys to the public or to the media and, and the people in the community that care about it. Because our, our – um, our group is tight knit and it's a small bubble as much as we love to think it's not. Um, but in the same light, um, I I've had trouble this season going back and forth with people about AG because I, again, think that the future is extremely bright. You've already seen it. AG is a monster on the recruiting trail. He's an absolute, and he's fantastic at player development. You can already see that the guys that are coming into the program are getting better each year. That's a testament to him. Obviously, last year we had the the uh, the season of dreams, if you will. But the the complaint now moving forward is this, these close games. And, and I think that it's a legitimate concern to sit here and say, hey, the future is bright in Dayton, Ohio. However, AG's big thing, it still is. It's been a big thing when he was at VCU, when he went to Alabama, and now here at Dayton is that Dayton is just having trouble pulling out these close games, number one and number two, against inferior competition. So it's not that I want to put you on the spot here, Brooks. Do you, do you have those same concerns about AG, or do you have concerns just coming down the stretch with – with game management and and here I'll give the listeners a really good example. One of the best teams in the country right now is Michigan and Juwan Howard is a new coach at Michigan and he's got, he's a, one of those guys that understands his strengths and weaknesses and his weaknesses 
are, are very apparent to him. And so he went out and he hired a very seasoned staff. And one of the guys he hired was Phil Martelli to help him out with X's and O's. And it's been a huge, huge hire for him because Martelli was a guy that knew the business. I'm not suggesting Anthony Grant go out and buy, you know, a $2 million assistant coach, but you know, are those concerns legitimate for fans to say, Hey, we got to start winning some of these close games against inferior teams. So here's what I'll say. That's a, that's a great question. I don't mind being put on the spot. Um, I, I encourage people to remember it was only a year ago that we were on the other side and we were winning those close games. Sure. So, so we get we're caught in this moment. It's a it's been a frustrating year, COVID and all this stuff going on, political drama and all these different things, uh, you know. And and we thought that Dayton would be our outlet. And unfortunately, due to some circumstances, it, it has been very frustrating. So it's easy to kind of overstate what's going on, kind of when when you're already in a in a mood, like a bad mood. Yeah, and, yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? So, well, I'm in so a my funk. point is, yeah, yeah. exactly, exactly. <clears throat> so my point is to answer your question. Come on, man. We I, there's no way I can excuse some of the, the decisions that have not turned out Dayton's way in close games. You, you know what I'm saying? I mean, it's it's clear there are things that. Uh, us 13,000 fans and, and, and more would, would have done differently because we're that, you know, we coach from the stands and coach from home. Why didn't he do this? I completely do the same thing. Yeah. Um, you know, even last night, I, Hey, I'm fouling, you know, there was 10 seconds on the clock. We're up three. Uh, they had to take the ball, the full length of the court. They get across about seven seconds. I'm immediately fouling. Um, and sending them to the line now because, uh, they ended up getting a good look from three and just missed it. Now, if they make that shot, everybody's pissed that we didn't foul. You know what I mean? Like, it's just, yeah. that's just, it's just how it goes. So, yes, he ha- there have been some late game situations where I would have done things differently. But again, I, re- I re- encourage people to remember last year, we won all those close games. You, you know, we so even we, had close games. We didn't have to go grind it out, you know? <laughs> like, that, just, right, yeah. Right. yeah, man. So it's like, yeah. So yeah, he, Ag can can he can coach. Um, we know. Does that. he need to hire? Does he need to hire somebody? I don't know. I love the staff, but I, I again, man, it was a year ago. We were third in the country. Like <laughs> I know. I, I, it blows my mind sometimes, man. Where people are like, fire the guy. Like what? Yeah, I, I can't. I even understand where people are coming from on that regard, and and it and and that's why I try to preface things as best I can because you know I'm I'm really psyched we have an alum as a coach. I love that it's Anthony Gray's well spoken, perfect face for the community, for the alumni, for the university as a whole. Um, you know, and and that's why I preface to say his recruiting is top notch. We just have the best recruiting class coming in that we've ever had. Player development, all these guys are getting better. But, you, you know, I, it's my job to kind of play both sides or, Absolutely. you know, I guess I take it upon myself. And and I understand that it's legitimately concerning to have some of those games that we lose down the stretch. And yeah. I think, you know, I've heard the rumblings of people saying, well, do we need a lottery pick to be good under Anthony Grant? I don't necessarily think that's true. I think the truth lies somewhere in the middle. But let me ask you this, Brooks. Here's Wait, hold the on. One let, me, th- let me address them one thing real yeah, quick. Go ahead. Sully. That I hear that a lot. Do we have to have a lottery pick? AG created the lottery pick. The lottery, yeah. He didn't come in a lottery pick. Yeah, like, that's right. Like, that's right. Like, you know what I mean? People forget that too. Angly like, dude, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, man. Like, that, yeah, so my bad. I said, I hear that argument a lot. Like, no, we, we didn't go draft a can't miss lottery pick. Like, yeah. turn him into a lottery pick. So, yeah. We yeah, were, we were recruiting with Duke right there to get OB. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Right. Like, come on. 
<laughs> but no, what I was going to ask you was um, one of the reasons why I'm so frustrated this season, aside from the three bad losses, um, is that I, I can't honestly say that I watched last night's game and I said to myself, you know, Bonaventure has more talent than UD. I didn't watch VCU and feel that way. I didn't watch St. Louis and feel that way. I, I didn't watch any game against any team in the A-10 this year and say, this team has more talent up and down their roster than Dayton. Do you also feel that way? I, I do. I do. And that's where people get frustrated because a lot of people judge off of that surface level. Now, yeah. I know that you look at it deeper than that. Yes, on paper, you look at some of these talented young guys and, and you've got one of the best point guards in the country and you, you've got Ibby and that going on and on. The problem is basketball especially at this level it's way more intricate than that man like you got to have five guys executing the everything on both ends of the court and and so that's where people aren't seeing it in an adept like defensively you've got Kobe Barrett who can't he has no clue how to guard yet so he's out there yes he's a talented kid who will be very good but he is killing them defensively you got Jordy Shamunga who can't stay out of foul trouble and I love Jordy but but he can't stay on the court half the time and you've got Jimmy who is crazy talented but doesn't understand how to guard big guys and and rotate and script you get what i'm saying like it's way it's way more than just looking on paper and saying man these guys it's a it's a nice roster the game is too deep it's too that's why saint bonaventure is good they've got got all juniors they got nine juniors on their team Are, are they do they have seven nba draft picks of course not but they've got veterans who don't make the silly mistakes that dayton makes right now yeah, and, and we, um, you know, I, I just had a feeling last night, and we're talking about Monday night, that Dayton was going to be St. Bonaventure. I just felt it in my bones, you know, because when my involvement in the game is low, they tend to surprise me this year. And then when I get really amped up for a game, like that's when they're just, they pull the rug out from under me. <laughs> um, so I remember when we, when we started the season, I was pretty bullish on the roster and I was really bullish on the team, even going into Christmas. I was like, hey, they're four and one. They beat a pretty good old Miss team. I was like, I don't think Mississippi State's going to be any good. And they they weren't really. They're pretty borderline SEC. Mississippi's mm-hmm. right on the bubble. I believe they're on the wrong side right now. SMU's same way. They're like right on the bubble and UD split those contests. And if, you know, a basket goes here or there, they could lose both or win both. I really think that's who this team should have been this year. You, do you agree or disagree? I mean, who did you see this team yeah. being? And then, and then, and then I'll follow it up with when did the rug really get pulled out from under you? Was it LaSalle or Fordham that broke your spirit? <laughs> oh man. All right. Good question. So, so I'm with you. I, I saw Dayton as a, um, Actually, early on, I saw them as a top three team in the league. Now, now this is way back, Cohill and everybody, right? I'm saying before the Cohill injury and all that. Um, and and then once we got into the season, I'm like, okay, they should they could be a bubble team. They should be in conversation about an at large. Well, it hit me probably a few weeks ago, and it kind of goes back to my last answer when I talked about, yeah, on paper these guys look good, but but there's young guys that don't that they make a ton of mistakes executing yeah. things. Well, it's think about this. Coach Grant and his staff went the entire offseason and preseason preparing them to play a certain way, the certain offense. And, yep. you know, they practice the offense. And, and then right before the season, Cohill blows his knee. And then Chase Johnson transfers. Well, guess what? It's too late to revamp the offense to fit your new roster. Do you get what I'm saying? So, yeah. So, yeah. so if you lose Cohill, 
let's let's say we we knew Cohill wasn't going to be there. We knew we weren't going to have Chase. We knew we wouldn't have Rodney for ten games. Coach Grant probably wouldn't have the the offense he has for the guys that are playing. Yeah. But but this late in the season, you got to roll with it. So yeah. when people get mad and like, man, they offense, what are they doing? Well, they're trying to run an offense that really doesn't fit the guys that are playing completely. Yeah. Yeah. You know, just little stuff like that, man, that people don't take time to think about it because they look at it as an excuse. No, it's a reason. Yeah, we're not very good, but but there's reasons why we're not that great. I mean, it just happened last night. You remember the the last set before the first half um, or the last set before halftime, rather? They went to run a play. And then I just hear like, you you know how you can like hear the coaches now yeah. on the broadcast. And I can see like Jalen's waving at somebody. And then you just hear Grant from the background go. And and then someone (laughs) takes off. I think it was Brea or one of the freshmen like took off running across the set. And then Jalen just did nothing and put up a floater and made it anyways. And I was like, if that 10 seconds wasn't indicative of our entire season, like, I don't know what is like Crutcher just being like, F it. I'm going to go put this up in a floater. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. No, you're absolutely right. It was Blakeney that they were upset with. It was Blakeney. That's right. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, man. I know exactly what you're talking about. So that that is right there, the microcosm of our season. I mean, it just it's frustrating, man, but it is what it is. It's just a fact. Let people behind the curtain a little bit. How weird has it been to call games with Larry, um, you know, watching on television like the rest of us? Man, I hate it. We, we, we hate it. <laughs> I would hate it. Yeah. Oh man, we hate it so much, man. I mean, I listen, it's a, it's a it's an honor still to even be able to call games. I'm glad we have a season, get all that cliche stuff out the way, but but it sucks. And you got to remember, I don't know how many people know actually how we do it. So so we're literally pretty much a, a, a part of the team. You know, Cox Media is our employer technically, but but we are fully involved with the team. We go to their practices typically under normal circle, under normal years. We go yeah. to their practices and we travel. We, we fly on the charter with them and we stay in the same hotel and their team meals and we ride the bus to the games and shoot. I mean, we're literally with the team. That's one reason I love doing it. Yeah. This year we can't get anywhere near them. We we don't even where we call the games. Normally we're on press row. Well, man, we're like up in the hundred section, like yeah. fifteen rows up. You know, it's just it's just completely different. So trying to call a game, you know, Sully, we're we're literally watching the TV like everyone else and trying you're to like, comment like on me. the game. <laughs> yeah, man, sitting on it's like guys sitting on the couch talking about a game on radio. I mean, it's on Twitter. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> you know, I mean. So, so man, the problem with that is, yeah, it's cool, and and but you miss so many things, like certain little things people wouldn't think about, like the cues to go into a timeout. We can't because the TV's on mute because we're talking, so we don't hear that they're about to send it to a timeout. So a lot of times it'll go to timeout, and we we have no idea or just little stuff. Like I talked to you about before we came on the Rodney Chapman situation. You know, I can. I don't yeah. know if you want me to get into that a little bit. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. So, yeah, this is actually a pretty funny story. Yeah, you got to oh, tell this one. Man. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, so we – I mean, you're you not know, disparaging, we're... like, anyone you're working with, all right? This is the reality of the business in 2021, all right? <laughs> yeah, and it's, and, it's, and and here's what I'll say. All right, so Rodney Chad, he'd been out, and, and we were hearing at this time – this is right – the Rhode Island game, at Rhode Island. And, and at this time, Rodney's still supposed to be out another three or four weeks is what we're hearing. Well – Due to everything I just explained, how we're kind of disconnected from everything this year, um, there was a major disconnect because we're in the middle of calling the game. I mean, the game is, you know, four minutes into the game, and and all of a sudden, we're looking, and and we're like, man. Now, mind you, we're on air, (laughs) and we're like, man, that that looks like like Rodney. So so Larry has to play it off and and talk about how Rodney Chapman has entered the ball game where – 
we had no clue that Rodney had returned. We so we didn't talk about it pregame. We literally found out when we recognized him watching TV like everybody else. It was just, and when I tell you that that people were not <laughs> happy about, about finding out that way, it, it was not a good thing. So it's not I'm not gonna throw anybody under the bus. I think it just the fact that we don't communicate like we normally <laughs> no, do. No, he was like, <laughs> yeah, man, it was bad, real bad. It was it was like Shane Falco coming out of the tunnel and the replacements. Is that Falco? He's necking with that cheerleader. That's exactly what it was like. Keanu Reeves. <laughs> yeah, <okay. laughs> He's yeah, necking man. with that cheerleader. What are they going to do, Pat? Fire him? <laughs> man, man, and I hated that movie, by the way, so you know. Come on, man. <laughs> I don't know why I've always loved that movie. I think it's because of the kicker. I love the Welsh kicker in that movie. But, uh, yeah. but that you know, like that is such a bizarre thing, and – um, I, I don't know if there's even any anywhere to dig into this, but it it does seem like the staff this year, I guess it's because they don't have to report on as much, but it seems like they have kind of held their cards a little bit closer to the chest regarding injuries and, and personnel decisions and that kind of stuff. Have you felt that way as well? Like it's just kind of harder to get to them because of the circumstances, right? Yeah, yeah, it is. And, and I won't say that it's intentional or anything. It just, man, no. when... But but yeah, absolutely. They're kind of in their own little bubble, <laughs> per se, and and we kind of leave them be. And it just it just is what it is, man. We're all dealing with it. And um, and the last thing I wanted to do I, is cause you know somebody to catch COVID and the program gets shut down, or you know. So we're yeah. we're just uh, adhering to all the protocols and just getting through this year. And hopefully, we can get back to a normal season next next year. I know you talked about, um, you know, that you do always try to have a relationship with the players and typically in a normal year, you're able to go in and, and, um, and see practice and whatnot, but being an arm's length away, I've heard this through the grapevine and certainly nothing confirmed. And I don't, you know, I, I try not to pass off too many rumors and I don't know if it's necessarily a rumor, but do you feel like there is kind of credence to the fact that a lot of the guys still just never really got over how last year ended and and then that might've had some trickle down or effect on this year? Cause I certainly think that it has just for the simple fact that our guys are humans, you know? Absolutely, man. I mean, think about it. Let's, let's really take a second and, and, and think about, our, our our program, our our, our flyers, they were uh, the media darlings, right? They they were the the America's favorite team last year for for the most part. And OB and and yeah. I mean, we were on every news station, and we actually were picked by a lot of people to win the national championship, and and had a legitimate ch- chance to do that. And the way that yeah, it we weren't like outsiders was, to be picked. Exactly, exactly. So so the way that it ended was was beyond devastating, and so. And then think about it, the fans and, and just the, the the fanfare. And, they man, these guys were rock stars around here. So to come into this season, man, we got 100 people in the stands. And nobody's talking about Dayton. And, and you know, like people have moved on and COVID and the, the election. And, our, like, every it was just, just a, a, a weird feeling. And to come in and try to play in front of cardboard people after, <laughs> you know, having <laughs> – I'm so over the cardboard to... people, bro. Oh my god, man! I'm done. I'm done with it, man. <laughs> I never but, want to see a cardboard person again. <laughs> oh, it, it's yeah, it's creepy. I get what they were trying to do, but man, it, it's that's weird. But but anyway, yeah, you get the point, man. So absolutely, man, <laughs> trying to trying to get motivated for, for this year, and it, it takes a mentally tough player, and and now you 
tie that into how many new guys we have. And man, these guys aren't battle tested like that. That takes a weird, a weird level of mental toughness to forget last year and move on. Like, nah, man, that's, it ain't that easy. Yeah, I almost I'm starting to kind of look towards next year and how weird it'll be for some of those guys to come back and play their first games in front of actual crowds like that is going to be kind of a learning experience, too, because you think about guys like Zimmy, Kobe, uh, RJ, like they're going to come into next year with 20 games under their belt where they can always hear what AG is saying. And their first game at home, it doesn't matter if we're playing Mississippi Valley State or Xavier like you're not going to be able to hear coach Grant say shit because like, you, I mean, you know how it is in the <laughs> arena. Like you could barely hear yourself think. Um, so I, I'm starting to think about next year, kind of what that, that learning curve is going to be like for those guys. And, and hopefully it won't be quite as steep as what they went through this year, but it's certainly something to think about. I mean, I know you never had to play a game in an empty gym, but it's, I mean, I, I went to the SMU game and you know, I was, I was there second home game of the year. And, the first thing I said when I walked out of the arena was like, man, I hope I never have to do that again. Like, that was fucking weird. <laughs> you know, like, <laughs> it was like the referees could hear me. And then the, the referee started pointing up at me because I was being a jackass and I wasn't swearing or nothing, but like I was giving it to him and he pointed up at me and I was like, oh my God, I'm about to get thrown out of this game right now. <laughs> yeah, yeah, but the yeah. days are behind me. <laughs> no, man. Hey, no, you make a great point. It's going to be an adjustment. You know, to go from because basically, man, these are nothing more than glorified scrimmages. I mean, they're, yeah, they're just, that's what they are. So these kids, you're right, man. They have no idea what it's like playing in front of in front of 13-5, yeah, It's going to be no, it's going to be an adjustment and it could affect them. I don't know. Like and that's why you're seeing so many uh, the, the parody in college basketball. Well, it has a lot to do with a lot of these guys are playing in their the buildings are empty. Like. Yeah. Like we underestimate, well, man, not everybody, we get it, but but man, the value of a crowd, a home crowd, and adding that additional pressure for the opponents, man, it's a major, major advantage. So to take that away and it's basically neutral, that that's why you're seeing a lot of upsets and Duke getting smacked around and you know, yeah, it's, yeah, it's yeah the knife cuts both ways. I mean, I'm not going to sit here and tell you that Dayton would have won that game last night if they would have played in front of a packed Riley Center, especially given the circumstances and the context around the game, because every person that would have attended last night would have known exactly how much Bonaventure needed to win that game. And and it would have been fired up. I mean, you've played you played a Bonaventure like when when Bonaventure's good, that place is as loud as anywhere in the conference. And it has nothing to do with the size of the building. It's just a small building that gets packed with people that are fired up. And that's all it really takes. Um, so I, I definitely think that the knife cuts both ways. Uh, we're talking to Brooks Hall, uh, 2003 grad of UD, a, a Flyer Hall of Famer. And uh, before we get into the A-10 preview for the, the tournament coming up this weekend, Brooks, uh, I know you called the game last night. Is there anything to take away from that win last night? I know, you know, we had the the weird win against St. Louis, and, and I'm going to call it a weird win. Like, Dayton's not 26 points better than the Billikens. I think right. they match up well against them for whatever reason, and I think AG has kind of gotten over the hump with Travis Ford. Again, for whatever reason, I don't know. You lay the stinker against St. Joe's, and then you come back and beat the best team in the conference or what's supposed to be the best team in the conference. What did it mean to you? What does it mean for the team? Well, it, the, the thing that I took from last night, it actually could be a huge um, confidence builder going into the tournament uh, for a chance for them to actually win the tournament. And here's why I say that. Think about how they had to win last night. You just named, you, you just set the table perfectly. So they had to go on the road and they beat the, the, 
under you know the A10 champs, the current A10 champs, um, and they did it in a game where their leader, their best player, only played 22 minutes and had six points. Yep. They also did it when nine guys played at least 14 minutes. So so point being, they got a huge win on the road and against a good opponent, and they did it without having to rely on Jalen Crutcher. Yeah. So if anything, what I took from that, man, it could actually catapult them into, you know, just a, a run where they realized now you can put Kobe Bray out there and, and if, if, if needed or guys, you know, just they can do it without Jalen. Because a lot of times, man, when Jalen goes out of the game and even last night we saw it, but when he goes out of the game, come on, man, we're a different team. Oh yeah, but but yeah, but to be able to still win with him sitting the last three fifty, and and Saint Bonaventure with the momentum and have to answer and respond and get it done without Jalen, who knows, man? It could really give them the shot in the arms they need. Yeah, and know. um, and and you know, even going a step further, I mean, I don't think it's hyperbolic to say that was the worst game the Crutchers played all year. Um, I agree. From from a point total, from a production standpoint, how how involved he was. Um, if I'm looking down the point totals, it looks like the only game that he scored less was that game against VCU where Dayton got buried and um. And, and, you know, Bones Highland really shut him down in both meetings that they had. Crutcher only had 12 points in both games against VCU. So those are the wow. only two games where he scored uh, under 10 points was just those two games. So y- you start to see, like, no one's really had the formula except VCU. And uh, we're going to get into it here in a second. That formula might not actually be present for them if the Flyers end up meeting him on Friday. Before we do get into the A10 preview books, you know I always come ready with some trivia. So I'm going to let's do it. Play the music. So trivia today is going to go back to your playing days. And uh, now that Dayton is playing Rhode Island Thursday afternoon, I believe it's a 3.30 tip on NBC Sports for all of you people out there. I always have to look that up for myself more than than my audience. But okay, it's it's a two-parter today for trivia. It is, what was your record against URI in your four years playing, and what was your record in the A-10 tournament in the same four years? Wow, okay, record against UI. Uh, let's see, so we, we played them see, eight times. Probably, man, did, did I split four and four? No, oh, man. No, no. Five, five and three. Hold on, five and three. I'm going with five and three against uri yeah man i was i was shocked to look this up shocked you never lost oh, uri seven and oh brother i thought i lost really seven I, and oh that's what it says <laughs> I, I was thought, shocked i thought they beat us my sophomore year um at at their place but seven and oh that's what it says hey I, all i do is go by the the uh the college basketball reference here and i i saw seven games and I saw no losses, man. It was hey, wild. I like that. We're gonna. Hey, you. You mean to tell me that uh, Starberry, Lil Marbury didn't beat us once? You remember <laughs> no, Marbury? I'm looking at it right now. All right, so I, I got all all seven games up right here, and uh, there was two games you guys were ranked that senior season. Um, and then the the reason I I sparked this question was because the last time that you played URI was mm-hmm. the last time that Dayton won the A10 championship. They were the first game. And then you guys had the um, obviously the, the championship against Temple, and then I believe St. Joe's was in the middle there. Is it St. Joe's? Yeah. Yeah, we beat we beat St. Joe's and then and then Temple. Yep. Yep. All right. So second part is what was your record in the A10 tournament with that information uh, in your head now? Oh, <clears throat> uh, let's see. 
Ten games. I'll give you that hint. All right, I appreciate it. Ten games. Yeah, not not very good. <laughs> uh, That's better than everybody else that went through school at Dayton. <laughs> uh, look, look, we're gonna go seven, seven and three. You got no, it. You're seven. Okay, you got okay, it. Okay, good. You were seven and three. Yeah, it was. Uh, it was four and three heading into that last year, and then of course you guys rattled off three wins to get the A10 title in uh, in 2003 there um, on the home floor at UD Arena. Um, <clears throat> we talked about it before, man. But w- um, we'll, we'll go back right before we get into this. Where were you guys when you found out? Um, that the A10 tournament was going to be hosted at UD Arena. Was it mid-season or was it before the season started? Man, that's a great question. You, man, I'm old. That was 20 years ago. Man. Yeah, I'm taking you down memory lane, <laughs> bro. <laughs> I, I want to I say that it was – I want, and I could be completely wrong, man. We'll have to fact check this later. But I, I want to say it was mid-season. I don't, I don't feel like we knew coming in. But, again, that could be completely wrong. What I yeah. do know – what I do know is after we won it, you, you see how quickly they moved it. Yeah. It was only that two years. And then, two you know, years, it was just yeah. like, yeah, they're not coming back. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I don't blame them. <laughs> I've talked to, to Keith and Finn and yourself, and you guys all said the same thing. It was like, we, we knew two things that night that we were A10 champs and that it was never coming back to Dayton. <laughs> never. And look never. what it took. It took a, a goddamn pandemic to get the, the game back in, in Dayton, and we could only get one. So, one. Uh, <laughs> right. Yeah. <laughs> so um and you know that and so that, that's a perfect transition heading into to the the a10 tournament this weekend you know the only reason why i have a little bit of optimism for for the, this weekend is that the, the tournament's broken up like i don't think that dayton's capable of winning four games in a row i do think they're capable of winning three games in a row and then taking a week off and i definitely think they're capable of beating rhode island and then finding ways to win on back-to-back days. And that's kind of what you're talking about. You're talking about chopping it up a little bit um, and saying, because, you know, really what the way I look at it, and I'm sure the, the way the guys do too, is that you win your first two games and then you have a date on Saturday that's a crapshoot. You know, you have a one-game playoff, right, where it's like it, you, you kind of throw the records out of, out of, out of the window because you're going to get that week off. So Grant's going to use everything in the tank for all of his guys to win that game. So... <clears throat> You know, we we've we played URI twice now. Um, probably should have won both. Blew an 18 point lead down the stretch in that second game. That I, I don't really feel like reiterating. It. it was just it was just ridiculous that that Dayton did that. But that's kind of been the story of the season. So, you know, my my question is, what is what does that formula look like for UD this weekend? How do you see them getting it done, winning three games in a row with this roster? Well, I, I think that if I'm trying to figure out why the that last night was the first game all year that that many bodies played that many minutes, and and I have to think that that might have something to do with this this run, because it would be tough for Jalen and Ibby to play 40 minutes three straight games, yeah, and be productive, right? So it's you know how how do we give guys breathers? So I, I really think that's what it's about. So the formula is. Heavy Ibby, heavy Jalen, um, tempo, playing fast. I, I mean, every, I hear everybody saying it. I agree completely. We are better when we play with tempo, um, you know, forcing tempo. And and then, honestly, I, I don't – the leash has to be short. It's championship. It's winning time, right? You, yeah. you tighten your bench, man. You, you, you can't have nine guys play 14-plus minutes, in my opinion. I know it worked last night, but let's be honest. Uh, it was a close game, and St. Bonaventure, who – 
shoots the lights out from the perimeter. Couldn't hit a shot last night. Yeah. Um, let's not to take anything away from Dayton. They they contested shots and made it tough on them. But box score is the uh, box score. You know, it's they, a fact. Exactly. It's a fact. Mm. And and a lot of those open looks did come from some breakdowns from the younger guys still. So, man, six seven guys, man. Hey, let's run it. Run the ball. Get the ball. Jalen needs to have an MVP tournament. Um, and then. The, the last thing has to be the, the late game stuff that we talked about. I'm going because, you know, a couple of these games will be close. Yeah. And, and and I think when we start to when the game is tight going going towards the end, I think running there's there's one particular set. We all know the same set. It's that double screen away action far corner. Yep. Um, into a guard on guard ball screen and run that the last few minutes or man, let's go some high ball screen with, with Crutcher two man side game. ball screen. You already know. <laughs> so yeah. Yeah. keep it simple. <laughs> we get him simple. 20. See what happens, man. Yeah. I know. Yeah. It's like, you know, I, I've, I've harped on it a lot. And um, and I've told listeners that, like, one of the reasons I haven't put out shows, like, as consistently as maybe I did last year is that, um, you know, I don't I don't really want to come off as negative radio guy. I don't want to be, you know, I'll, let me trash the guys here. They played like shit here. You know, I don't want to be that. I would rather just be a pragmatic, like rational voice. And, and you know, five minutes after the game, I'm not going to be as pragmatic and rational as I am sitting here like with 24 hours after the game. Like that's human nature. All right. I'm fired up yeah. after games, you know, and, um, yeah. you know, but but with that in mind, <clears throat> I I'm just I'm kind of sitting here like what what does the the path look like? But you know, with my show this year, I didn't want to keep coming on and saying the team sucked. There's only so many ways you can say like they played poorly, they didn't right. have a great game plan, they came out without effort. Like it after the St. Joe's game was a perfect example. I didn't necessarily think that that they were prepared, both coaching staff and the guys. I just didn't think they were prepared to play St. Joe's. I thought their closeouts were lazy. I thought they let a three-point shooting team just shoot three-pointers kind of unabated. And, yeah, I know St. Joe's wasn't like a good three-point shooting game team going in, but the fact of the matter is that was their game. That was how they were going to beat you if they were going to, and UD kind of just let them dictate the style, which is weird to me because, you know, UD played – LaSalle and Fordham and they played that slow methodical like first team to 60 points wins and then you get into a track meet and you lose by 13 to St. Joe's who puts up 97 and and that's why I I was kind of concerned because I'm like I've said this team doesn't have an identity and I don't want to just keep coming on the microphone saying the same thing so it's like I've struggled myself I I don't want to be negative guy I just kind of want to tell it how it is and how it is now and and tell me if you agree with this or not is that I really just don't feel like this team ever established what their identity was. No, I agree. I agree. And every year, what every year you say that at any level on any team, what's the identity? And I completely agree with you. Um, they they did not establish their their identity. And, and and you could actually give them a cop out if you wanted. I'm not going to, but you could and say, you know, how could they? Like a lot of major changes even throughout the year rosters, but. But yeah. at the end of the day, um, some like you said, sometimes you know they play fast early on in the season, playing really slow. And it, are we going to be a perimeter based team? Are we going? I agree with you, man. I think and that was one thing that led to some of the um, inconsistency. We, we didn't really have an identity. We kind of just and, and Coach Grant says this. He said it last night after the game. Every game has a life of its own. Of its own, and I agree with that. I, I, that's coach speak. But you can still try to 
force your will on the game and, and make other teams adjust to you. And I thought we did a lot of adjusting to other teams. Case in point, St. Joe's. Why did Jordy not play a minute? Now, I don't know what was going on. I know they say it was a matchup thing, but but they're one of the worst teams in Atlantic 10. You you make them switch their lineup for you. You know, you that's dictate. just exactly. Yeah, you dictate. Absolutely. But that's just maybe that's just me. I don't know. <laughs> well, whenever uh, you take over for AG 20 years down the line or, or 10 years down the line, then that'll be your style, man. When you're the coach of the Flyers. All right. <laughs> man, that, I, I won't Let's go down that road, game. man. You, you... <laughs> <laughs> no, no, that's, that's what I was about to say. Uh, was uh, you know, he's he, you'd have to follow up a, a pretty uh, well dressed, dapper man there. Um, but uh, I, I'd, I'd love to see what your style would be if you're a coach of the Flyers, though, Brooks. I can't help but but think about uh, that that pipe dream. Um, <laughs> can you, I, I would, can you hey, imagine listen, even? Yeah, I, I, I would now, I, I have no interest in it, but but my style is. <laughs> My style as a coach, you know, I coach AU and high school ball and all that. Um, my style would be similar to his, except I'm, I'm except I'm a little. I, I was going to say I'm a little more intense, but he gets fired up a little more than he used to. So, you know, yeah. I, my, you know, I might have a little. Now, hey, behind closed doors at those practices, don't get it twisted. AG, he, he gets fired up. He, he <laughs> maybe not Archie Miller fired up. Like I'm gonna get in your face and talk about your mom and try to fight you fired up. But, <laughs> <laughs> but he gets fired up. <laughs> yeah, I mean, can you? Uh, I, I guess you know, as we're wrapping up, can you even speak to that for fans of, of like the tone that you've gotten from AG? Because I'm sure that you've had conversations with them that that most people aren't privy to, or or even when you interview him on the radio, um, you know, what kind of tone has he taken? Because he loves the coach speak, and he's always really well, um, you know, well spoken in interviews. And thank God, because he's never going to give you a story or like a quote. And that's why people are like, you know, why don't you get a press pass and ask him some questions? I'm like, why? Like, I know what he's going to say to me. You know, I'm not going to like uncover these layers of the onion uh, with AG. But have you been able to pick anything up from him as far as like how he's felt about the season, the tone of where they're headed? And and I guess, you know, what he, what he thinks about their chances heading into this weekend? No, that's those are good questions. And man, just to be honest, you know, it's it's hard to it, it's been hard this season because I spoke to it earlier. We're not around much. Yeah. I mean, I yeah. hear the interviews and but it's hard. It's different, man, to like watch on TV or even at the arena to see them from a distance. But it's different to be in the hotel with them or in their walkthroughs or, you know, you get a better gauge. Um, but what I can say, what I do know on on a personal level through being around, even speaking to last year and how he how he operates, people should know by now, man, he's not a prisoner of the moment. And and yeah. we know that by how he operated his first two seasons. He, he's going to, he's a foundation guy. He's going to lay the foundation. He's going to try to do what he can in the moment, but but he is a foundation. It's how we do things, system. So he has the, that's what this year has been because he has so much talent that's going to play in the future, mixed in with some veterans. So he had to try to do both. But at the end of the day, he didn't sacrifice this season. But understand, he's not pissed or panicked about this season because he understands what the future is going to hold. Now, us yeah. Flyer fans don't want to hear that. Yeah, <laughs> like we, yeah I know. We, we, are, I know. we are not trying to talk about <laughs> next year. or not. But that's that's the job of, of a head coach, man. Yeah, he's got a coach in the moment, but he also has to plan for the future. And, and we know that AG does that. Think about, you know, Zarius Williams and that whole crew. And I, it, he does what he has to do because he like that. He sacrificed that season. You remember that season? 
Oh yeah. Oh yeah. And, and he sacrificed that, but look what it turned into a year or two later. So yeah, people don't want to hear it now. We're all pissed and sad and frustrated and all that. I'm I'm one of them, but I also do know I trust him. I've seen him do it. We've all seen him do it. I do believe that we're going to bounce right back as as quick as next year, actually. Yeah, and I, I think um, I, I think that the jury split as far as you know the hypothetical um, or metaphorical fan base. Rather, I think people are split on like what the expectations are for next year. I think a lot of it just to, it will depend on how these young guys obviously develop because you're basically going to have an entirely new starting lineup next year, and um, and you know you're turning the keys over to Weaver to kind of run the show 100 percent next year with. Um, with the cast or crew, you know, everybody's going to be coming back. I don't really foresee Dayton losing anybody off of this roster, to be quite honest with you. Um, no. But, you know, the, the, the jury is definitely out on that. It's like, what are the expectations for next year? And I don't you know, want to get into that when the season's not over yet. Like I said, maybe I'll leave that for the next episode, <clears throat> whenever, um, whatever that may be. But I, I'm with you, man. And the, the last thing I'll say to that is that, that's probably where the foundation of my frustration came from is that I just saw too many people kind of being like, Oh, well, like get your next game. And, and I, I guess that's one thing that fires me up because I know that we talk about this a lot, but I just want to make sure that the expectations within the fan base are always the same. And, and what I mean is that the expectation is we compete for the tournament. And if we're not competing for the tournament, we're at least in this point of February into March, saying hey we're competing for a bubble spot or every game matters and I think what pissed me off the most was that you know you lose that VCU game and, and the at-large discussion was done by the time January right. even ended and, right. and that's where I get mad because I want meaningful games in February and if you're a fan listening to me right now and you don't need that and all you want to do is turn on the TV and watch the boys I'm not poo-pooing that approach to being a sports fan. It's not. It's just not who I am. And I would rather come on here and get good guests and talk to people with games mattering. And frankly, I mean, you saw it last year. Like, should have had, you know, Jeff Goodman and Rob Doster, my buddies yep. that do national coverage. Norlander was on here. Mark Adams came and talked to me. Scott Van Pelt jumped on the one day. And I hate to tell people, but... I can't get those guests when Dayton's irrelevant in the bubble conversation. I just can't right. because their time's valuable and it's not that they don't want to talk to me. It's just that there's a lot of guys like me that are reaching out to those guys to have, have time. And, and so, yeah, selfishly for my radio show and, and for the people that listen, like I want Dayton to win, but even just being a fan, you know, and, and coming on the show and being a fan, I want games that matter in February. And, and unfortunately, you know, in my 30 years, we've had more Februarys like the one we just saw than ones where we're, you know, competing for that at large. And, and that's that's all I'll say, man. It's like that's what pisses me off, like underneath my skin, you know? <laughs> yeah. No, I, I get it, man. I, I get it. I have the same expectations, especially being a former player. Like I want to mm -hmm. see my, my alma mater do well. And I think I just, for my own sanity, had to be more on my end, had to be more reasonable, realistic because <laughs> being on air and trying to call the games live, <laughs> you know, it's like you, different. You, it's different and you can easily get into that negative without even knowing it, you know? It, so I, I had to try to stay positive, but man, I'm with you. The expectation yeah. should be NCAA or bust or at very least bubble talk. Um, now with that said, I get, I get everything this team has been through, but I'm going to tell you this. I don't even know if yeah. we have to get into it, but don't be surprised if, a couple guys exercise that option to return. 
Yeah, all right. I, you're teasing the audience now at the last ten minutes of the episode, but I, a St. Louis, the St. Louis guys asked me if Crutcher was going to return. I said absolutely not. He knows the money that's in front of him. Who do you think's going to return out of, out of the four guys? So, so I won't say I think they will, but who's here? Here's who I think could. And I'm with you. I, let, let's let's talk about the obvious four. So you, you've got Crutcher. I agree. It's unlikely. The only way that Crutcher returns. Um, is if somehow he's getting – it's all going to be on what feedback he's getting. Is he getting feedback that, hey, you're not a lot first-rounder, which I doubt, Mm-mm. right? If he's um, going to get but, drafted, he's going to sneak into the last, like, five picks right now. Yeah, so if that's if that's where he's at, is he okay with that? You know, if there's a chance you fall into the second round, eh? If that's the feedback he's getting or if it's overwhelming that, man, you're a lot first-rounder. That's what it's going to come down to. I can't tell you what that's going to be. I think he's a first-round lock. But who am I? You know, um, Ibby Watson. Have they seen enough out of Ibby? I think Ibby has, because obviously the goal is NBA for Ibby. Whether we think he's a draftable guy or not, that's the goal. Has he done enough? He's going to be a three and D guy. He can shoot the corner, corner shooter in the NBA. Somebody want to take him or G League? Or does he, they say, hey, we want to see more. You know, Jalen leaves. Now we want to see you lead the team. I don't, I don't know. Um, I do think if, the, the most likely to come back are, are Jordy and Rodney. And and I'm that's coming with no conversations. Please don't think that I'm but but <laughs> yeah. There's just no but, rumor mill here. Yeah. yeah, right, right, right. But but I can see Jordy coming back. Um and, and some of that has to do with his his masters. Like he graduated and, and he can get a second year of his masters paid for and, and yeah. yeah. So yeah. Jordy I can see definitely coming back. And then now Chapman. What's what's Chapman's post C or um post college aspirations? It's Europe. He's not an NBA guy, right? Overseas, yeah, it's, Europe. it's Europe. So it's like, what if Europe? He said he missed a lot this year. So has he shown enough to get some good money? You know, a good contract first year. If maybe he returns, I'm telling you though, Jordy and Rodney are two that would not surprise me at all if they come back. Yeah, and and um, for for you know for people that don't know overseas it's um <clears throat> it's not a death knell to your career but i'll say that once you go overseas it is almost impossible to break into the nba again i Correct. mean only Correct. like a handful of guys have ever done it and they're not um they're not four year starters at Dayton. Let's put it that way. You know, yep. so I I want to level set for people that that's what we're talking about is that if you think you can raise your stock in the college game by coming back for a year you, you probably do it because the money is just so exponentially greater in the NBA. And even if you're signed to like those 10 day contracts, I mean, I remember Chris Johnson who graduated with me in 2012, he was on a, a various string of two day con- or 10 day contracts with like the Grizzlies and then the jazz. And then the jazz signed him for one year, one year. And he made almost a million dollars. I mean, it, it would take crazy. you multiple seasons to make that over in Europe. So, you know, if you're sitting there like, oh, these guys got to stop chasing the dream, it's like, well, not necessarily because if you're 21 years old and someone says, hey, you still got a chance to make a million dollars next year or you can go make 100000 over the next couple, it, that decision's pretty easy. Especially when you are a legitimate bubble guy, like, like, like Jalen Crutcher, and he's, he's more of a lock than Ibby, but, but Ibby Watson is a legitimate bubble guy, NBA guy, legitimate. Yeah. He'll get invites so, so, to camp whether he's drafted or not. Yeah, absolutely. So it's like eh, depending on the feedback he's getting, Ibby Watson may return. Now, who know? And what does that do with the rotten man? That's a whole nother podcast. But but man, <laughs> it, it, I got plenty. It, of it's interesting. <laughs> <laughs> It'd be interesting, man. It'd be interesting. 
Um, I'm going to make you laugh with the uh, the song that uh, that I'm going to take you out with. But before I do, man, I, I always I always go final thoughts. But uh, the, the final thoughts for tonight are pretty easy. Uh, we're, again, recording this Tuesday afternoon. Game's coming up Thursday afternoon. Um, you know, what, what's your prediction for this weekend? How far do you think the Flyers are going to go? I actually think that they are going to um, – I think they're going to win all three. They're going to get to the I, final? I do. If if they can get past the first one, I mean, come that's going to be the hardest game. I think. That that is, isn't that crazy? <laughs> I mean, they they play to the level of their competition, uh, sadly. So yeah. like, it's going to be easy to get up for VCU and then probably St. Bonaventure, but Rhode Island, uh, yeah. So if they can get past that first one, I honest, I honestly think they're they have a good chance to win all three to get back. Man, to you know, I, I hate to be like this too because like all I've done is just be like, man, I, this team stinks and blah blah blah. But like, God, good. that that is no, but like <laughs> I I can't help but sit here and feel that exact same way. I, I I don't I don't know what it is in the water that I've been drinking today, or maybe I had an extra coffee or something like that. But you're right. I mean, we and, and here's where I'm coming from for people. VCU is probably going to be playing without Bones Highland on Friday. And anyone that watched either of those games know that he was the difference in both contests, but on both sides of the floor. I mean, he gets buckets. He D's up Jalen Crutcher in a very tangible way. He's probably the only yes. player in the conference that's been able to put the clamps on Jalen in one way or another. So you're right. I mean, you get past Rhode Island. Then you have VCU without Bones. What we think is going to be without Bones. And then that semifinal game on Saturday night is the all four teams. Oh, geez, I can't believe I had to say this. I have to say this now. The four teams that they could play, they've only lost to one of them. And then one of those teams is fucking Fordham. God, I keep going back to this. Man, it's the worst. I was looking at the bottom of the bracket. I'm like, all right, GW beat them. Mason beat them. Davidson. All right, so we beat all these teams. And I look in the left, says Fordham. I'm like, Damn it, we didn't beat these teams. We'll, we'll have to, that will never go away, ever. Yeah, by so, the way. so unless Fordham <laughs> sneaks through to the semis, and that that will foil my plan. But I, I mean, people see what I'm getting at. The yeah. likely opponents Saturday night are, are gonna be Mason GW or Davidson. And Dayton's already beat all three of those teams. Um, and then you know, you're coming back home for that one game playoff. It's a crapshoot. So I'm with you, man. I, it's just a strange feeling in my head that, that maybe UD does have it in them. But I will say this. They're either going to lose the first game or they're going to win all three. That's what I got. No, I'm with you. Uh, no, I'm with you. <laughs> I absolutely agree. We want the same page. By the way, crazy stat. Larry, um, he went over this last night. You probably saw it on Twitter or something. Or nine I was listening to you now. guys last night, man. I, I had okay. second half was all radio for me last night. Oh, my man. Appreciate that. Yeah, so, yeah. So nine and three. Um, winning versus teams with winning records and like four and five or five and four. I think it's four and five against teams with losing records. Something oh, stupid horrible. like that. It's it's horrible. It's if you if you go look at, at Dayton's uh, resume right now, like people that ever want to look at this stuff, just go to bracketologists.com. It has all these broken out into like the quadrant system and the net rankings for everybody. Even includes like Ken Palm, so you can kind of see like where the numbers dictate teams are. Um. Dayton right now is three and one against the quadrant one, and they're three and two against the quadrant four. <laughs> so, wow, that is crazy, man. so yeah, that was exactly what you were talking about. Is that um, you know it, it's it's a tale as old as time, man. That this team could beat anybody and they can lose to anybody, and uh, we're going to find out if if 
you know what what they're made of and it, and i hate to say like well, we're gonna find out what they're made of but like it's so true like this is it man you know you don't win on thursday and and that's it you know this this team is for the history books so absolutely I'm looking forward to having some meaningful ball because it's been about a month since we've had a game that like really had some weight behind it. But uh, as always, man, I, I appreciate you jumping on, talking hoops, kind of putting a cap on this season and, and looking forward to these last couple of days here. Yeah, man, likewise. Always always a pleasure to join you, man, talk some ball. And, uh, you know, have me back anytime, man. I love doing that. That's what we do. This has been Brooks Hall and uh, on Talking Out Loud. Thanks for joining us again for the full hour. For tonight's song, I did some research, Brooks, on the Billboard Top 100 for 2003. And there was a lot of hits, bro. There's a lot of hits on this list. I'm talking about like Promiscuous Girl, Nelly Furtado is on this <laughs> list. Like London Bridge by Fergie. Like I was going down this list. I was like, man, there's some hitters. Number one was Bad Day by Daniel Powder, which kind of pissed me off because I don't, I know that song was number one for, for some reasons, but like Temperature by Sean Paul, Hipstone Live by Shakira. I mean, there was hits. But I went all the way down to number 34, one of my favorite songs ever. And it's Gold Digger by Kanye West and Jamie Foxx. So my man. Gonna, yeah, I knew you would like that. So that's what I'm going to take the podcast out with tonight. Uh, for Brooks, I'm Sully. This has been Talking Out Loud. Thanks again for sticking around for the whole hour. You know, there's two rules for Thursday afternoon, 3.30 tip against Rhode Island. You wear red, you be loud, and we'll see you then. In your arm, but I'm looking for the one. Have you seen her? My psychic told me she'll have an ass like Serena, Trina, Gina for Lopez, four kids. And I gotta take all they badass to show this. Okay, get your kids, but then they got their friends. I pulled up in the bins, they all got a bin. We all went to den, and then I had to pay. If you fucking with this girl, then you better be paid. You know why? Take too much to touch her From what I heard, she got a baby by Buster My best friend said she used to fuck with Usher I don't care what none of y'all say, I still love her Now I ain't saying she a gold digger uh, But she ain't messing with no broke niggas uh, Now I ain't saying she a gold digger uh, But she ain't messing with no broke niggas uh, Get down, girl, gon' head, get down Get down, girl, gon' head, get down Get down, girl, gon' head, get down Get down, girl, gon' head 18 years, 18 years, she got one of your kids, got you for 18 years. I know somebody paying child support for one of his kids. His baby mama car crib is bigger than his. You will see him on TV any given Sunday. Win a Super Bowl and drive off in a Hyundai. She was supposed to buy your shorty Tyco with your money. She went to the doctor, got Lyco with your money. She walk around looking like Michael with your money. Should've got that insured Geico for your money. money. If you ain't no punk, holla, we want prenup. We want prenup, yeah. It's something that you need to have. Cause when she leave your ass, she gon' leave with half. 18 years, 18 years. And on her 18th birthday, found out it wasn't his. Now I ain't saying she a gold digger. Uh, but she ain't messing with no broke niggas. Uh, now I ain't saying she a gold digger. Uh, but she ain't messing with no broke niggas. Uh, get down, girl, gon' head, get down. Uh, get down, girl, gon' head, get down. Get down, girl.
got knees You don't wanna do the smoke, but he can't buy weed You go out to eat, he can't pay, y'all can't leave His dishes in the back, you gotta roll up your sleeves But while y'all washing, watch him He gon' make it to a beans out of that toxin He got that ambition, baby Look at his eyes This week he mopping floors, next week is the fries So stick by his side I know his dudes ballin' and yeah, that's nice And they gon' keep callin' and tryin' But you stay right, girl And when he get on, he leave your ass for a white girl Get down, girl, gon' head, get down Get down, girl, gon' head, get down Get down, girl, gon' head, get down Get down, girl, gon' head Let me hear that back Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target, are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill. Saving money on everything for your next project at Menards. Spring is here making it the perfect time for outdoor projects. Suncast storage sheds are an excellent solution for protecting outdoor lawn and gardening tools. They're easy to assemble, and the all-weather construction provides water resistance and UV protection. Save big on Suncast storage sheds. View our selection of Suncast products today in-store and on Menards.com. Save big. 